0: Last time on This Paranormal Life! Life, life, life. The staff of Las Vegas news channel KLAS-TV were about to break a big story live on TV and the stakes were high. They had a man on the line with secret information from within a secret government facility.
1: Well, there's several, uh, actually nine flying saucers, flying discs that are out there of extraterrestrial origin. But I mean, couldn't, couldn't our government have made them? Totally impossible. A letter
0: arrived. Detailing an advanced propulsion job working for the US government in a quote remote area. What age did you first jack off?
2: Okay, I don't understand the relevancy
0: of the question. Taze the man! Taze <laughs> him! He was officially invited to join the team. You won't be working at this facility. Climb aboard and you'll be taken to S4. S4? What the hell is S4? It was made up of enormous concrete buildings and vast aircraft hangars. As the bus arrived on site, Bob glanced into one of the cavernous warehouses and did a double take. There, as clear as day, was a flying saucer. Welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every week we investigate a different paranormal tale and today we are on part two of an investigation into the man, the myth, the legend, the UFO witness,
2: Bob Lazar. Oh yeah, this week we're dropping the comedy from Comedy Paranormal
0: Podcast. (laughs) Things are getting serious. Leave the ha at the door, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Rory, on last week's episode, like I say, we finally deep-dived into the life and times of Bob Lazar. He's probably the single most famous UFO witness of the 21st century so far. So, listener, if you haven't heard part one of our story, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that bit first. A lot more of this episode will make sense that way. You don't have clearance to be here.
2: You need to go back, complete levels one through ten, listen to part one, and then come here for part two. You are currently the janitor trying to mop the floors of
0: Area 51. You can't do it! And that's an inside joke you probably don't get because you ain't listened yet. So when we left off last week, Bob had just been recruited by the U.S. military to work at a secretive research base in the New Mexico desert called S-4 to join Project Galileo. When we left him, he had just come face to face with a supposed alien technology for the first time. That is, overall, the motherload of intense first days on the job, right? I think This is the man who, who built a rocket car while he
2: was in his in his prime, he's probably bursting with ideas of what he could do with this alien
0: technology. Like, I worked in a lot of restaurants before, and that's quite stressful. You know, sometimes, like, one of the chefs is off sick, or, like, you're washing dishes, and you run out of fairy liquid. Like, sure. that's a bad first day. But Bob was basically interrogated, flown across the country with a bag on his head to Area 51, Then no sooner had he landed, was told... Oh, you're not working here. We have to go somewhere even more secret. So the bag goes back on and he's taken to S4 and then is handed the keys to an alien spaceship (laughs) and told to reverse engineer it by Friday. This is like working your first day at a restaurant in another galaxy. (laughs) The chef is screaming at you in a language you don't understand. The waiter's like, I need six... and glimglorps over the table spleen.
2: <laughs>
0: what do I cook a glimglorp or, or do they come packaged? You hand them the nearest thing to hand. You idiot, that's a glipglorp. <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I want that food out here by the time I count the quack. <laughs>
2: oh I don't know
0: how long I have. Is that a long time? <laughs> <laughs> you chop off your fingers and put them on a plate. He's like, finally. <laughs> Bob was probably in S4 right now. Like, do I live here now? Are we going back, by the way? My car is double parked back in Washington. I thought I'd have time to move it before we shipped out to Area 51. Yeah, you don't even know if you're going to ever see your loved ones again <laughs> once you take a job like that. And if you ask too many questions, the bag stays on forever. So we're back standing in research base S4 looking at this piece of alien technology. Everyone was looking for Bob's reaction. He was naturally struggling to find the words, faced with a potentially alien anti-gravity device for the first time. He said, What? Uh, what am I looking at here? His new lab partner, Barry, did his best to explain how it worked. I'm going for a kind of Q vibes. I feel like in the movies, the first Guy is always British, right? Yeah, when if, you go into the lab, if yeah. the hero is American, the, the the first guy who knows more than him has to be British. <laughs> yeah, redneck general, British scientist, yeah. American hero. Yeah, and the American hero has to be like, in English, Einstein. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> you see the uh, the beings come from a, another planet where age and time doesn't exist. They're eternal beings. In English, Einstein. <laughs> It means they're not American, and we can
0: kill them. No, it... well, sure, it does, but... His new lab partner, Barry, did his best to explain how it worked. It's load sensing. So if there's no load on the reactor at all, it shuts down. When there's a load present on it, it starts up again. There's no wiring that connects any of the subcomponents together whatsoever. They just have to be in the immediate vicinity. The stuff is borderline magic. The words of Arthur C. Clarke came to Bob's mind. Any sufficiently sufficiently advanced advanced technology technology is indistinguishable from magic. magic. This has to be alien. alien. Barry broke Bob's concentration. Hey, I know this is a lot to take in. Why don't I show you to your desk in the lab? Sure, thanks. He guided him into a lab with several desks around the room and computers at each one. Barry ran over to a desk that looked very untidy and quickly swept all of the stuff on the desk into a bin. There we go. You can sit here. Yeah, make yourself comfortable. Uh, why was there stuff on that desk? Oh, uh, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Greg must have left some stuff lying around. Uh, should be good to go, though. Uh, oh, yeah, someone's logged in. Oh, weird. Uh, let me just log them out and, yeah, you're good to go. Was this somebody's desk before mine? Um, well, uh, I mean, at some
2: at some point, sure, yeah. Recently? I, the coffee still has steam rising from the
0: cup. That's mine. Just how I like it, with goat's milk.
2: I'm worried that someone held my position quite recently before I did.
0: No, no, where'd you get that idea from? Look, right over here, we've got your name. We've got, like, a name uh, printed out for you, for for your desk. That's not my name. Really? You're you're not William? Who's William? Okay, this is going very poorly. I'm going to come clean. We had a member of the team recently pass away on the job. What? Well, the reactor I showed you, he was experimenting on it, and tried to cut into it with some high-power drills and, uh, well, he... he exploded. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Yes, like I say, very unfortunate. Also, I didn't tell you that. Okay, Okay. I'm obviously obviously not being told told the full full picture picture here. here. Everything is on a a need-to-know basis. Bob would later state in an interview in 2019 that the military didn't tell you everything. They didn't tell any one person everything. They purposely assigned projects to different groups of workers and would only share snippets of the whole story. That way, it's harder for anyone to try and leak the truth to the outside world. That makes sense. For example, his team worked on the propulsion and power systems. Others were tasked with recreating alien metals, while another squad dealt with extraterrestrial weapons. It wasn't an easy ride. (laughs) All right, it's not quite broken down as much as I thought it was
2: going to be. Those are still pretty big secrets to just have a chunk of. (laughs) Like I thought maybe some people would be working with a strange metal, but they're not told it's alien. Other people are examining some sort of uh biological life, but they're not told that it came from another planet. You're <laughs> just saying this guy's got a ray gun, but he doesn't know that Steve the Martian is next door watching him through double sided glass.
0: It really sounds like if Greg, Steve and Karen just meet accidentally at the canteen, they could <laughs> build a alien warship. <laughs> I love the idea of
2: one of these scientists, um, you know, deciding to blow the whistle one day. And the colonel's like, don't worry, Mr. President. He only knows a small piece of the puzzle. It's like, so I just want to come out today to say that um, uh, aliens are real. I've been taking one apart in a hospital buried underground. And the colonel's (laughs) like, in hindsight, that is a very large piece of the puzzle. (laughs) We should have broken it down further. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you see, the, the puzzle is so large that that seemed small. Needless to say, it wasn't an easy ride working here. Bob struggled to get his head around the science of it. That was almost the way they wanted it. Rory, I'm imagining this is perhaps somewhat like working at IGN. It was very much
2: like working at IGN, which is often referred to as the um, the CIA of the games industry. You know, I, I had embargoed information That I had to protect with my life. When GTA 5 was going to launch on the latest consoles. How to complete the weekly Fortnite challenges before they went live. All of those secrets aged me a thousand years. Just holding them in my body turned me into a toxic swamp man. And uh, you know I'm glad that I came out the other side. Uh, Now I regularly leak embargoed information just
0: for fun. To get like a sick kick out of it. Uh, But it was a very stressful time. It was. And much like an ex-CIA officer, Rory is in high demand to work as a private contractor in the Middle East, hunting down game facts and interviews. (laughs) Bob knew he had to proceed with caution. One wrong move, but that desk would be someone else's soon. He kept his head down and his wits about him, working tirelessly for months at S4. In that time, he and the other scientists allegedly figured out the process of alien space travel. Do you want to know how it works? Yeah. Do Perfect. you know? Remember the half-basketball-sized gravity generator from earlier? That exploded a man? <laughs> sure, but only because he, he tried to peek inside Pandora's box. He f***ed around and found out. Each craft had three of those reactors, at specific points in their ship. All three would focus on the point they want to travel to. So here's, here's how researcher Amy explains it. Picture a thin sheet of stretchy rubber laid flat and anchored to the ground at the corners. The stretchy rubber represents space-time. Now imagine a little kitten sleeping at one end of it.
2: Okay. Do we like, And the color of the cat? Are we talking like a black cat? White cat?
0: tabby cat? Doesn't matter. Let's say a white cat. It's easier to see in space. Okay. And the age? Like six
2: months. Sure. Two years. Six months. Six months. Wow. Tiny cat
0: tiny little cute cat now pick a spot in the sheet and imagine grabbing it and pulling it up towards the kitten okay like tucking him in for like a little nap this little baby kitten don't get too bogged down in the, let's let's forget that it's a kitten let's say it's Sorry, a, it's love a, cats, a tennis ball all right uh so pick a spot in the sheet and imagine okay. grabbing it and pulling it towards the tennis ball
2: all right, tucking in the tennis ball You're not for tuck- a nap—it just doesn't
0: make as much sense as it did with You're the. You're not kitten. tucking in anything. Okay. You just, in fact, you don't even need to actually speak for this entire explanation. <laughs> uh, it's more just to like, so the listeners at home can follow along.
2: It's just tennis balls don't nap. They don't need cozy little naps, so like a kitten does. So I don't. I'm just. just None of it's to related
0: to sleeping or nap time or anything. So we're talking about space time and rubber and space time. That was the Rubber, like why?
2: Sorry, I was a confused space time for nap time.
0: I guess I said the kitten was sleeping. My bad. Or Amy said it. So yeah, we'll just start over. Start fresh. The rubber represents space time. Got it. And there's on the rubber, there's a tennis ball. Okay. And you grab a piece of the rubber and pull it towards the tennis ball. This chosen destination, the point that you picked up, has now been brought to the tennis ball or the kitten that's sleeping the generators in the craft would then power down and the tennis ball or kitten follows that stretch rubber back to its initial position. Basically, the
2: <laughs> the kitten... All right, even you're struggling to tell me about it, so it couldn't have been that clear be an analogy. Kitten. It All essentially
0: right. has to be a kitten. <laughs> I cannot stress enough how <laughs> crucial the sleeping kitten is to this. Because th- a
2: lot of this shit's about mice and milk. So, <laughs> so it really does have to be the kitten.
0: <laughs> now imagine the kitten is from a litter <laughs> There are six other these sons of bitches uh, the kittens st- in this uh, in this example the kitten stays sleeping the kitten okay. didn't go anywhere but yet it did because it's like space time itself went and picked it up and moved it uh, okay okay I'm loosely grasping what, what's going on here what, what I'm trying to say is they don't do linear travel like we do with rocket fuel blasting us through space they don't go from point A to point B These gravity generators bend point A to be right next to point B. Right. I mean, this is the kind of shit that has mankind
2: stuck here on Earth. It's playing by the rules, obeying the laws of science and physics. That is nerd shit. That's why those eggheads at NASA are never going to be able to do cool travel like this. Because we follow the principles of the understandings of how the universe works. You know, we don't do enough weird shit. We talk about this on our podcasts all the time. You got an engine that can send a rocket to fuel? Start f***ing around. Throw a bunch of frogs in there. See what that does. You know, attach a firework to an electric guitar and um, send it to the moon. You know, you got to do weirder things and see what
0: happens. Like these guys with their magic space balls. You're absolutely right. These are the kind of ideas that are sorely lacking from NASA. And frankly... A reason why SpaceX has overtaken them. Yeah. It's, it's sad that this is weirdly accurate that SpaceX actually did put a car into space. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is
2: actually <laughs> like something I would say, isn't it? You're saying these engines basically don't play by our understandings of how the space travel works. They're what? bending the universe, really, and time to reach locations.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting and almost believable in a sense that the aliens would find a route to space travel that is completely outside of our understanding or complete, the complete opposite of what we would choose to do. Um, weirdly, I think it's also how they explain um, the ship in Futurama works. They're like, oh, it doesn't actually travel through space. It moves space around it. I didn't want to bring it up, but it is
2: how the, uh, it is how the ship from Futurama works.
0: Which is fine because uh, Bob Lazar predates Futurama. It's true, and is a great show. I love what you're saying, though. I never really thought about that. That up to now, astronauts and scientists have been obeying the laws of physics. I know! It's like, James Dean wasn't obeying the laws of the United States of America when he was <laughs> ripping around Hollywood in Little Bastard. Right, well, that, as we covered, probably killed him. Uh, but he looked I... fucking dope in the meantime. It's true.
2: This is the problem. We're not going to get anywhere... In space exploration, if we obey the laws of the universe, we need to start sending criminals and cowboys and pirates out of the Earth's atmosphere because they won't obey the law.
0: The United States of America was not founded by good people, not by nerds who obeyed laws. It was, in fact, founded by outlaws. I want the ISS to be filled with ISC,
2: International Space Criminals. I want it to be the cantina from Star Wars orbiting around the Earth where the scummiest living creatures of the galaxy all come together to drink sludge and fuck each other. <laughs> I don't know what good that's going to do for mankind. I think I've slightly lost the point of what this project was for, but that's what I want.
0: I couldn't agree more. At the very least, we can put in some 4K video cameras and turn it into a reality <laughs> TV show. International Space Criminals. Real housewives of the International Space Station.
2: The International Space Criminals are 100% the enemies of the
0: Galactic 12. <laughs> the banditos who keep hunting the Galactic 12 down. The Galactic 12 are like, you need to obey
2: the laws of the universe. And the ISC are like, no, we just want to drink goop and fuck each other. It's an endless battle that rages on for years. Listen,
0: I have an idea. What if we put our differences aside and you, the Galactic 12, create a new home planet far away in another galaxy for humanity to prosper into future generations so that they can drink goop and fuck each other All forever? All right, that's enough. <laughs> we thought you changed. <laughs> The way Bob could describe how the alien ships worked is really one of the most interesting bits about his story because he was very specific. When asked what these gravity engines run on for fuel, he said it was atomic element 115. The only problem was there was no such thing. Ah. The periodic table didn't include any such element. That is, until 2003, when it was finally discovered, about 14 years after Bob first claimed it. Oh my god nerd listeners will already know, it's called Moscovium. Um, we did touch on this briefly in our episode on Raiding Area 51. Does this, now in retrospect, does it feel authentic to you that he claimed this as the fuel or does it feel like a lucky guess?
2: I mean, is this true that they discovered a new element in 2000... Do you say
0: 14? 2003.
2: In 2003?
0: So four, 14 years after he talked about the element of 115
2: I did not know we were still discovering elements that recently we are I mean it makes sense as scientific equipment gets better and more advanced sure we'll probably find some new things Uh, that is bizarre though I feel like that isn't the first time we've had a story based around either time travel or space travel that has mentioned that the fuel is an element that hasn't yet been disclosed to the public right Uh, Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was another one that uh, maybe about like that beehive giant bell. Okay. uh, Time machine. And it ran on some fictitious element that Mm. hadn't like a red liquid that hadn't been, you know, talked about in the mainstream yet. So uh, this is a common theme. You know, it's kind of, uh, I mean, you could argue that it's an easy out in terms of explaining how these things work. It's like, well, it's you haven't even heard of the fuel yet, but it does exist. yeah okay sure (laughs) that's a logical explanation i guess um but it is kind of crazy that he said it existed and then it was discovered this many years later
0: i completely agree i think the more you think about it the more you realize that any tale that really involves getting into the nitty-gritty science of how alien civilizations work of course we're going to come across new elements new compounds new metals that we don't have access to on Earth. Yeah. Um, So this does seem like a pretty realistic conversation. I suppose that could be their oil... Whatever planet exactly. they're from, they drill
2: in and get this Moscovian or whatever it's called. It's fing spice from June. It's like <laughs> yeah. what, what
0: does their planet run on? We yeah. know what ours runs on. I know that's the equivalent. Dinosaur juice.
2: Well that's it. Imagine people coming down and they're and we're freaking out over all their crazy technology and they're like, Well, how do your cars work? And it's like, Well, dinosaurs died and turned to goop in the earth and we suck it out with a big straw and put it in a in an engine. <laughs> You're like, You're f- Psychos! I know that we they're... use stardust from
0: fallen angels. <laughs> You're mud people. They're, they're like, what do you do with the goop? Do you refine it into its like molecular structure and do nuclear fission? I was like, ah, we set fire to it, <laughs> and it burns, and the heat, and the heat makes the car go vroom. Jesus Christ! And how do you stay warm in your houses? You're never gonna guess. We said fire to shit. We really hit
2: fire, and then didn't <laughs> <laughs> reached for nothing more. Fire was the
0: band aid that fixed everything, and we just thought that's pretty perfect. Let's do that. It's so hilarious how like um, ancient and carnal our relationship is with fire. I, I, I just moved house, as you know, Rory, and uh, I've now got a fireplace, and it's fucking wicked. It's really mad how like just throwing a couple bits of wood in a corner of your room and setting fire to it uh <laughs> like it, like you turn into a caveman and you're like me feel cozy me feel happy right it's really yeah. strange
2: you hear the noise there's like something kind of like you know built into you that you just yeah it's a great feeling
0: people love campfires people love bonfires fireplaces uh it is bizarre So the only problem with Bob's mention of element 115 as a fuel and then its subsequent discovery is that as of yet, Moscovium doesn't seem to have any of the properties he described. It's extremely radioactive, which does sound cool, but it's yet to be stabilized for any real amount of time. It's far too uh, atomically unstable to be useful for anything. Right. Okay. I mean, maybe for us. Exactly. But, you know... I
2: mean, any kind of stories we've come across that mention UFOs also are usually followed with a huge amount of radioactivity. (laughs) So according
0: to me so far, this checks out. He claimed that the alien reactors are filled with element 115 and bombarded with protons. These enter the nucleus of the atoms and transform this into element 116, causing the reactor to emit tiny amounts of antimatter. Once the switch has been made... Something, something, it travels down a tube and creates an ass load of energy. Hence the antimatter drive. And interestingly, Bob claimed there are several other quote-unquote officially undiscovered elements in government research facilities right now. Wow, they just haven't been disclosed? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Rory, it's time we revisited what the craft actually looks like. This is a drawing from Bob that we first looked at a couple of years back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, look, for the amount
2: of detail that we were just given, <laughs> I, let me tell you that this illustration does not follow suit. I thought this was going to be like a borderline schematics blueprints. Schematics yes, blueprint. schematics to an alien craft breaking it down <laughs> item by item. This is, a, this is a children's drawing nah, of a UFO. I uh, wouldn't go that <laughs> it's, far. Uh, it's, it's...
0: The aliens were minimalists. <laughs> they were the Steve Jobs of the galaxy.
2: It's just if you told a child to draw a UFO, it's like the, the flying saucer shape. Um, there's a little nub at the bottom that he's just labeled gravity amplifier. There's also something called the reactor and the wave guide, which we didn't hear about. And then, almost bizarrely at the top, there seems to be little windows or, I don't know, some sort of markings on the wall. Well, latch. the aliens
0: need to see out, don't they?
2: I, do they? I don't know. Surely if the craft is that advanced, then we'd be beyond little windows to look outside of it. Um, and it does, even though it is kind of hidden by some of the text, it does look like it has like a little antenna or something on top. But I will say... As far as it goes, this is a pretty generic looking UFO.
0: Not to say that's a bad thing. If anything, that checks out. Yeah. I gotta say, I didn't notice the antenna and now it's bumming me out. Why? I don't, I don't know how many. I don't, there's not a lot of things in the 21st century on Earth that need an antenna anymore. That's really, yeah, that's a, a true. A little cartoon <laughs> antenna with a pole and a little ball on top. Uh, but I'm not going to get too hung up on the antenna. Um, you know, I seem to remember when we last d- discussed this drawing. Sure, looks extremely generic. Um, um, but this was at a time when we had, well, mean you weren't born yet, for one. But culturally, we hadn't been quite as bombarded with all these classic images of UFOs as we have today. Um, sure, UFO sightings had been around from the 50s, 60s, 70s into the 80s when Bob came clean. But I don't know if this UFO would have seemed as laughable at the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's he's in a really difficult situation where if someone tells him to draw what the UFO looks like and that's what it looks like, he's not going to be like, well, I'm not going to add a bunch of shit that wasn't there just so that it looks like a re- like a gritty, realistic version of the UFO. I'm drawing exactly what I saw. If he added, you know, shading and machine guns mounted on the side, it's like, that's not accurate. You know, I'm just drawing you exactly what I saw.
0: If you think he feels bad, how do you think an alien from their planet would feel going back and telling them what our ships look like? Right. <laughs> their alien leaders like, so you mean to tell me their spaceships are shaped like their cocks? Like, <laughs> I know it seems weird, but yes, they build giant dicks, and then they get inside them, and then they ejaculate into space. And they're like, that is so far-fetched, you sick f**k. That tells you everything you need to know, though, about mankind, pretty much. <laughs> I think it'll be funny, Rory. For how not seriously you just took Bob's image of the spaceship, for you to read how he described the spaceship.
2: Okay. It's a very ominous feeling. Everything is one color. It's a dark pewter color. There are no right angles anywhere. Everything looks like it's fused together. It's a really weird looking thing. There was almost nothing other than a small foldable hatch that looked recognizable. Everything was really unworldly. <laughs> All right, well, it's not that unworldly. It looks exactly like something from this world. The interior was clearly designed for very small beings about three feet tall. The seats were minuscule, too small for a human child even. There's nothing else in there. There's just seats, the reactor, and some of the subcomponents. There's
0: no control panel, there's no bathroom, there's no decorative components or artwork. There you have it, Rory. It's just that simple. Just seats and a reactor. Jeez. No bathroom. Ugh, I don't know, man. There could be some other apparatus they bring in there to make it work, you know? There's something funny I find about like, all right, they don't need a bathroom to excrete waste in. They don't need beds to sleep in. They still need comfy seats, though. (laughs) Like, you got to sit down. The ways that they're similar to us, but not similar are funny.
2: Well, I think that's the pitfall, isn't it? To look at this craft and be like, you know, there were no there were no peanuts for mid flights. There were no televisions for onboard entertainment. And it's like, you don't know what this thing is. Sure, he's saying this for little 3-foot creatures, but f- for all you know, how to fly that thing is you walk up to the front of it, put your dick in a panel, your eyes probably, roll back in probably your probably head, not though, right? And your soul merges with the craft and you control it through an extent of your body.
0: You don't know. <laughs> this is you on the <laughs> on the alien planet explaining how the dick craft works. We think that it's powered <laughs> I dicks, surely. <laughs> this is my first day at the secret base.
2: They're like a top team of scientists and oddballs that we thought could work together to solve the mysteries of the craft. <laughs> I raise my hand. Has anyone tried f***ing it? Get him out of here.
0: <laughs> Immediate handcuffs. <laughs>
2: Licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's
0: online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with
2: BetterHelp. Visit betterhelpcom Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com Life.
0: You are absolutely right, though. That is an interesting thought experiment. We yeah. don't know what this is. This could be on the not-too-crazy end of things. This could be an escape pod. Right. That's why it doesn't have anything in it. Or it could be, like, this is their fucking bicycle. It takes them such a short amount of time to get from wherever they're from to Earth that it's like, you this, this is like standing on the tube for them. That's why there's nothing in it. Yeah, you just walk in, hang your coat on a seat,
2: Put your limp little noodle no, dick no, in no, the... No, <laughs> you don't. No,
0: there's no one. He didn't mention out, anything to do. And the next Why thing you know, guy? you're home. So obviously he's orgasming anything. If, he's, <laughs> if his eyes are rolling back in his head after he puts I his dick in the I reactor. Didn't say, I
2: did spe- say. I specified limp. So he's obviously not orgasming. It's, it's purely All business. Right, well, you're
0: lowering the tone of the episode and I don't quite appreciate All it. All right, you're right. That's a little bit crass. You're right, it's crass. I think he realistically takes takes a a handful of element one fifteen and shoves it up his ass.
2: No. So much worse. Where does flying come into that? <laughs> flying? I just said it was a good time. Trust me, when that shit's up there, you don't want
0: to go anywhere. All right, so you're not using the plane. No, no. Why get on a ship? But mind-blowingly, this was only one of nine ships at S4. When asked what the others looked like, he said there was a slimline version he called the sport model. Ooh. Another he called the jello mold. (laughs) And a third he (laughs) called a giant top hat. All right. I love it if he was like...
2: He referred to one as the eternal jelly mold of Xantron, a ship indescribable in human words. Here's the drawing. It's like, all right... I'm starting to think he just can't draw. That looks exactly like the first one.
0: <laughs> I agree, though. I'm imagining Sport Model is a top-down, hair flowing through the galaxy, oh, ACDC yeah. on the alien radio. That's the one you
2: you ride around to impress your partner when you go out for a date on a Friday night. Oh, yeah. Arm hanging over the side, just soaking up radiation. It's a borderline just bones by the time you land. <laughs>
0: This, the sport model is the spaceship you don't want to see your uh, your daughter's new boyfriend pull up in to take her out to prom. <laughs> yeah, space prom. It's like, no way, you're not going out on that <laughs> thing. That thing is a death trap. Get
2: back here. What kind of elements does that thing use? 16? Uh, 12. 12? <laughs> 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 that thing uses Moscovian 12s. You might as well be riding in a... F- Time bomb, darling. You got asteroid insurance? I'm not letting my little (laughs) my little slim slam (laughs) ride. I'm I'm not riding my little princess slim slam in a in a in a sports model with no asteroid insurance. Is that the
0: 2012 model? Christ Jesus Christ, man. Can we can we can we freaking go? That thing is a zoop (laughs) gluzzler. What am I doing? <laughs> what is this bit? You're just saying things about the ship at this point. I mean, we can we can take your <laughs> ship. I don't I don't care.
2: He's got the um the camper van version of the spaceship. You right. know, room out back, very safe. Uh it's all green or red or whatever's good to <laughs> these creatures. Stay safe, no drinking, and make sure she's home by the time the third moon sets on Blingow. No!
0: You're not going out wearing that! I can see your sick thighball. <laughs> Disturbingly, Bob said one of the ships at S4 had damage all up one side, as if it had been shot down. It was around this time, his initial excitement about being in the cutting edge of science turned into fearful dread. He suddenly realised that they were messing around with things which they had very little understanding of, and they could be in serious danger. He said it was like giving nukes to people in the Victorian era. You've kind of
2: lost the opportunity to say that this technology was peacefully handed over when some of it has bullet holes (laughs) in it (laughs) and smoldering pieces of metal falling
0: off. (laughs) Is that bloodstains on the metal? (laughs) That's redacted. I can literally see it. We're so gracious for the
2: donation from our alien overlords. Now, if some of you janitors will help me clean out the corpses from the cockpit, we can get to work. <laughs> I mean, like, unveiling. It's like, we just got a, a new ship donated from the, the gracious scientists over uh, in our near, nearest galaxy. They said that they hoped that we could use it and that we would appreciate this small token from one race to another. <laughs> in the background, there's just, like, a little goo man running away. Gling, glum, 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 glum.
0: Gone down in the background. Ignore that. Ignore that. Six (laughs) marines are still firing. (laughs) Into his body.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Please have mercy.
0: (laughs) Enjoy this gift from one race to another. Get him. Get him now. Get him before he escapes. Stop him from breathing. (laughs) So after six months of employment at S4, Bob thought enough is enough. He had to say something. He had to start voicing his opinion to the other scientists.
2: We have no idea how the physics operate within this thing. The power levels are astronomical. It's incredibly dangerous to tinker with something like that. Keep your
0: voice down. Do you really want to stick your head above the trenches like that? Do you really think they'll listen? His colleague was right. Everyone in the military, after all, is just following orders. They continued trying to rip off the alien design, and before long they had built their own working prototype. The plan was to test them in the sky above S4 under the guise of an unplanned nuclear test. Because Bob had access to the test schedule, he decided to come down and watch from the outskirts of the base. This is worrying. Doing it under the guise
2: of a nuclear test already kind of implies how you think the test is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you think there's going to be some sort of enormous explosion <laughs> yeah. and people will be turned into liquid. It's not under the the disguise of... a. Uh, You know, testing a weather balloon or an experimental plane. Sure. It's like, let's say that this is the detonation of an atomic bomb. That's what we'll say it is.
0: Yeah, we're going to take out um, Prototype 5 for a little test run. Uh, That sounds like fun. We're going to put Greg behind the steering wheel. If you could just send out a notice to the state of Arizona for an earthquake warning, though, just in (laughs) case. Probably not needed, but a bad one, too. Like a magnitude 9. If you could get the scientists to explain why it looks like uh, the sun rose at 3 (laughs) a.m., that would be great. Bob even decided to invite some friends to watch this thing. He took people to see the practice flights three times. He couldn't believe what he saw. The thing lifted off extremely quietly and flew through the air in complete silence. But it turned out going to watch the test flights was a big mistake. Specifically, inviting friends to go see the test flights. How was that allowed? How did that slip through the cracks? Oh, it wasn't. (laughs) On the final test flight, he was found by security. They were all taken to an interrogation room. And all Bob says is they were, quote, not pleased with him. He knew his days at S4 were numbered. So he decided he had to do the right thing. He was going to tell the media before they took his ass out. That's when he spoke to KLAS-TV, the interview that we heard at the start of part one. He chose the alias Dennis, as that was his boss's name at S4. Wow. He knew he'd be in big trouble anyway, so why not go down in a blaze of glory? It's kind of funny because we made fun of the fact that he was not very anonymous in that interview. Yeah. And it kind of seems like he actually knew that too. Yeah,
2: it was almost like he, you know, wanted to have some form of protection, but was almost okay
0: with getting caught. It was like he didn't want the public to know who he was, but he knew the military would know who he was. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Unsurprisingly... He was let go from his position, but his dealings with Dennis and the rest of the base's staff were far from over. Lazar claims that somebody tried very hard to erase his existence on paper. His birth certificate disappeared. His academic records from both MIT and Caltech vanished too. Wow. That's called getting burned, folks. I think that's what they do with spies. Spies get
2: burned. When they no longer work for the man, you get you get wiped. Your data gets wiped. Your birth certificate, your passport, your existence burned. That's
0: really interesting. So I'm not surprised that they would do that to top secret scientists as well. I'm going to start telling people that my academic records from Caltech vanished. <laughs> yeah, my diploma from Harvard was burned. He soon learned not to talk about his friends and family by name in public because as soon as he let a name slip, that person would receive threats and harassment. He was audited by the IRS out of nowhere and ended up having to declare bankruptcy. A few weeks after his abrupt exit from S4, he received a strange phone call out of nowhere. Uh, hello? Bob, it's Dennis here. How are you doing, stranger? Hello, Dennis. What do you want? That's a good way to speak to your old friend, Dennis. How are you doing, you son of a bitch?
2: How am I doing? You people took everything from me. You burned me, Dennis. My credentials, my passport, my birth certificate. I'm uh,
0: bankrupt. Well, I don't know. I, listen, I'm sorry to hear things aren't going so well for you on the on the other side of S four. But uh, listen, no hard feelings, eh? Uh, how about you say we uh, meet up uh, at a specific time and location just to just to shoot the shit about the old times, you know? Okay. Uh... Specifically, the Clarence Hotel, fourteen hundred hours, Tuesday.
2: All right. Well, I was thinking maybe like um. Starbucks on the corner. There's a nice new one on the corner uh, just by my apartment.
0: Fine. Starbucks. 1400 (laughs) hours. Tuesday. However, upon arrival, he spotted what were clearly security guards from S4 milling around in the lobby of their meeting in plain clothes. Feeling uneasy, Bob decided to leave and he never heard from Dennis ever again. Wow. But if you thought the ordeal was over, Not quite. Just a few weeks after that, he was out in the car, headed onto the freeway, and suddenly he realized he was being tailed closely by a white car. So he assumed at first the driver was in a hurry to get on the highway, so he sped up. But he couldn't have been more wrong. Gunshots rang out from the vehicle behind, piercing his rear windscreen. Bob's car began to skid out of control and smashed into the central reservation. He sat in the driver's seat, frozen in terror and expecting to be shot again, but nothing further happened. He's convinced it was an attempt on his life. Perhaps it was a random act of road rage, but maybe indeed it was the U.S. government trying to intimidate him into keeping quiet. That's when you know shit is bad. When you are having
2: hitmen come after you to try and take your life... But they're so beyond even making it look like an accident.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're
2: like, you just have to die. We'll deal with the consequences of it looking like you were shot in the back of the head. You just have to die.
0: Yeah, when when the shit you know gives you five stars in GTA instantly, (laughs) there's tanks coming down the highway
2: after you. It's the difference between, you know... Maybe they slip something in your right. your cold brew uh, at the local coffee shop to sending the T-1000 to your house to march through the walls with a double barrel shotgun and put it in your mouth and pull the trigger. <laughs> you know, I have said it on this podcast before that um, I wouldn't say it's on my bucket list, but I would, uh, I, I would like to at some point in my life uh, be hunted. Right. Um, have the thrill of being hunted. Uh, maybe not to this extent. This is the extreme extent. This
0: is, I guess, the, the brutal reality. I don't know it. if there's any other level of extreme to being hunted. That's true. As a man. You know, do you never just want that thrill of like... I think you've talked about this in the podcast before, and I didn't understand <laughs> then, and I don't understand now. You never wanted to
2: just be like, having a drink with your friends all hanging out, and then you see someone through the the bar window, and you just say i have to go and you take off running through the kitchen like it's an action you never want that you gotta like run for your life you could just take a laxative and that would be your life (laughs) i'm just sitting with my friends having a beer hey why does it smell like shit i have to go (laughs) it's too late clearly rory (laughs) (laughs) rory you left your fourth burrito (laughs) i don't know hopefully someone listening to this podcast is like i get it rory that that would that sounds rad as hell
0: Bob Lazar decided it was time to cut his losses and fade into the background. Of course, he is still alive. And he came back into the public eye when he appeared on Joe Rogan podcast oh, not God. that long ago. Uh, that was back, actually, when we talked about Area 51 in the first place. So he didn't stay in the background for very long. He was on Joe Rogan um, broadcast to tens of millions. And then he has his own Netflix documentary, too. Wow. And in recent times, he has addressed claims that he was making the whole thing up for fame or attention, saying, I don't get money for this at all. As far as attention, I hate fucking attention. I don't like being on shows. I just want to hide in the corner and do my thing. I got enough hugs when I was a kid. Did he say that on the Joe Rogan podcast? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, make sure to subscribe (laughs) up top, comment down below, and... Buy my new book. And Bob is adamant that every penny he's received from appearances and documentaries has been donated to high school science programs. And after all these years, he's sticking to his story. Rory, this is the Life and Times of Bob Lazar.
2: Wow. What a great story. And a great two-parter. We haven't had a two-parter in a while, um, because we always like to reserve it for... Truly big cases that, that really deserve it. Meaty topics. And I think we had one on our hands here. I will say I didn't realize that the the life of Bod Lazar was that kind of clean cut mm. where it's, you know, into the, the government, into this bunker where he sees the technology, leak it and then out. Yeah. I, th- I thought maybe he had more experience with different crafts and more uh ufo encounters over the years i'm sorry
0: his experience with nine different models (laughs) of ufo in a secret air force base not enough for you but all that's that's all under the same context i thought he was involved
2: in more different paranormal events you know across the globe um whereas it seems like i mean it, it that would make less sense if he was like I've been abducted three times. Oh, I've seen right. seven UFOs. See what you
0: know, yeah. that would be ridiculous. <laughs> that would be a red flag. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so this is actually way better. The fact that um, it really is just this one uh, term of employment at this one base where
0: he saw all of these crafts. He's Edward Snowden for UFOs. Yeah. He just worked in one government agency for a relatively short period of time and then blew the whistle and that's his life now. Edward UFOden.
2: We shall call them going forward.
0: All right, that's the show. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to try and sum up at the end of an episode of This Paranormal Life. We normally have to sum it up in a glib yes or no. Is it really paranormal or not? Or well, There is a lot to sum up here. Um, yeah. What are the general feelings you have about Bob's story?
2: I'll be honest with you. They're a lot stronger than I thought they were. Um, when you're looking at a basically a man's life, Uh, in terms of their career into the paranormal and the unexplained, you you can usually find a lot of damaging shit very quickly. Yeah. Uh, All it takes is to go into their Wikipedia page, and they typically have a whole section called controversies. (laughs) (laughs) And there'll be many, many reasons uh, why you should discredit this
0: person in any case. Right. Their Wikipedia biography headlines go like uh, early life, career, The math years, (laughs) controversy. The lawsuits, Mm -hmm. controversies, and then often death. (laughs) Um, Death by math.
2: But I got to say, now I'm just going off of the evidence that was presented to me in these two episodes. Uh, He seems like a reasonably trustworthy character. Mm. Doesn't apparently have to have, doesn't apparently have an agenda as to why he would be... um, you know, promoting this message and telling these stories. Uh, It seems, I mean, is his experience and time in the military, I know that it is or allegedly is classified and top secret, but is there any credibility to that? Like actual records of him serving in some sort of government position or was it all
0: burned? I think, honestly, that's probably part of the problem. I don't think there is. I think there's two ways of looking at this, that he's telling the truth and he was burned, and mm-hmm. uh, or that he <laughs> doesn't even have a university degree He <laughs> yeah. never went to Caltech, uh, yeah. and he's just making that bit up to make himself seem more legit. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's a problem with the story. Because we've had, we've had other members of the military
2: or the government claim that they've seen paranormal stuff before, mm-hmm. but we've then been able to verify, all right, maybe they made that up, but hey, look. Here's a photo of him yeah. serving at this time. He was actually a general. These people know him. He got medals. Whatever. Right. Uh whereas unfortunately, if you know this much shit, you get burned pretty hard. They'll burn your medals. They'll burn your photographs, your uniform, and all your records. That's right. Uh so I think that is the problem that we're gonna have today. Is we have what's someone who seems like quite a credible source of but no actual physical evidence to back
0: any of it up. Right. Which is a very difficult situation to be in. And while we're talking about unbelievable aspects of Bob's story, um, I haven't dived too deeply into what I'm sure is a treasure trove of people trying to debunk him. What I do remember from listening to interviews of his is that people attacked him for not being specific enough about certain things. You know, let's say on Joe Rogan, Uh, he would ask him about some certain detail and Bob would claim to be getting a headache and then couldn't remember. Oh, see,
2: now those are red flags that should have been addressed in the episode. And that's what I'm worrying. If I just
0: dig a little
2: deeper, I'll uncover a bunch of shit that would kind of sour the
0: evidence. All in all, and I do think it's time we come down to a conclusion. I feel that Bob's story is a realistic one. Even if you don't want to say that he actually set his hands on uh, materials from another side of the galaxy and that's what he was working on and everything that he said was true. I feel that there are men like this there are there we know there are research bases for experimental crafts. We know there are bases working on um, probably trying to recreate these kinds of supposed alien technologies or at least trying to keep up with what uh, other countries are doing next. yeah um, there are going to be men who went to these universities headhunted and contracted to work on these projects. Um, they are going to be fed certain bits of information, certain bits of disinformation. And after the fact, they are going to have people try and discredit them for whatever they're trying to say. Um, a lot of this feels true to me. And that's why today on the episode all about Bob Lazar, I'm going to give it a yes. Whoa! Oh my goodness.
2: First yes of the new year. Um, hey, so y- burn me.
0: <laughs> don't thr- don't don't ask for it because it will happen um, <laughs> if, if someone wants to well, someone wants to burn my uh, music technology degree from Queen's University Belfast so be it honestly so be it <laughs> you might as well because I feel like it burned me <laughs> for the last
2: ten years of my life. yeah, that's the uh, ironic thing if I got burned I'd be like thank you <laughs> I'm free from the debt. Um look, I 100% agree with you. Um you know, Bob's story is obviously a wild one and I think there maybe are some claims that he has uh, exaggerated over the years. But um it would be irresponsible to say that there's not um likely a grain of truth to it. If it's not with Bob, it's with uh, other individuals who have experienced something similar. As I said, I can only make this call based off of the research that I was presented with from episode one and today in episode two. And I think following your lead as investigator for this case, I'm going to give it a yes too, brother. Fuck it, let's go! Double yes! Wow. Wow, I can't believe it. Better flame-proof your house, buddy, because they're coming for us.
1: (laughs)
0: Uh, wow, what a momentous occasion It's been, uh, if you're tuning in for the first time This doesn't fucking happen often It doesn't uh, So long-time listeners will know that We don't get yeses too often So hey, what a cool story to tune in for And catch a yes as it's happening Thank you to Amy Grisdale for researching this one To Kami Toman for editing it Really enjoyed reading more about uh, The Life and Times of Bob Lazar we de- people have said before, we definitely have a bias towards UFO cases. Maybe it's the sci-fi lovers in us. It's just believable, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's true. I do feel quite guilty when we'll do, you know, 10 ghost stories, 10 cryptid stories, all knows, and then a single UFO... Where there was zero evidence, (laughs) a a blurry picture, and we're like, might as
0: well wrap it up in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's two yeses. Of course it's real. Maybe that should be our New Year's resolution is to find some truly non-UFO-based paranormal yeses. That's true. They're hard to do with cryptids because
2: cryptid stories usually are... Uh, a mongoose with rabies that's what
0: the beast was (laughs) they're hard to do because often the beast is examined by a vet and they say it's a dog
2: (laughs) they're like that's not the Loch Ness monster that is some driftwood
0: But I believe in us. I think it can be done. It has been done and we will succeed.
2: Yes. I think we've had a couple that got close. Um, Maybe some of the spookier ones like the maybe the shadow people, the tall hat man. I feel like that might have been a yes or close to a yes. We've had a few that have gotten there. So hopefully we can get some more this year. Get him across the line.
0: God damn. I hope you enjoyed this two-parter investigation into Bob Lazar. Whether you're a long-time listener of This Paranormal Life or a first-time listener, thank you for joining us. If you cannot wait until next Tuesday to get your hands, get your grubby little mitts on a new episode of This Paranormal Life, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Life, where we have approximately 50 full-length bonus episodes available for about five bucks. Wow, what a steal. If you do support us on Patreon and you
2: want to listen to those bonus episodes, make sure to also include your home addresses because y'all gonna get burned. You can't listen to that information without getting burned. So that's a fair warning. You know, if you're enjoying the episodes, you think they're funny, you're having a little chuckle and then midway through you think, oh, smells like lighter fluid in here. Okay. I feel you know this might
0: <laughs> push people away.
2: You know what's coming your way. Don't you think? What? The threat of fire? yeah people find that pretty arousing sometimes so i think they're actually gonna like it hard to say let's look at the numbers if anything i think it'll make people even more interested in the bonus episodes because they're like damn what kind of stuff are they talking about in these classified files that means
0: i have to be burned alive for just listening to them it's the dick spaceship it's the dick spaceship (laughs) that you put your dick in and that's how it runs and gets to other planets it's a (laughs) three-part series on that it's the best way to support us in making This Paranormal Life. Uh, that's how we've been running the show for almost five years at this point. Thanks to the kind support of our patrons over there. It's true. This podcast runs on an uh, a secret element
2: called cashium. All right. And uh, it's the only way that the engines work.
0: It's highly <laughs> unstable when it's in Rory's <laughs> pockets. It's known to leap out willy nilly at the mere sight of drugs and hookers. So, thank you for tuning in this week. Hope you're enjoying uh, the episodes of 2022. Uh, We're really enjoying making them. So, we'll see you back on Tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale. See you then. Bye bye.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,